It's Siobhan Chapman here, and welcome to the UBS Conversations podcast channel. I am joined by Phil Orlando, a Federated Hermes. Phil, welcome. Thank you for joining us for this April, which is World Autism Awareness Month. Can you share with our listeners today why this is near and dear to your heart? Siobhan, good morning, and, and thank you uh, so much for, for having me on again this year, um, just after Autism Awareness Day and, and during uh, Autism Awareness Month. So uh, you, you're quite right that autism is an issue that is near and dear to my heart. Uh, I'm married. Uh, my wife and I are married now uh, 33 years. And our oldest child, my son Jack, who is 30 years old, uh, is autistic. Uh, he is low-functioning, uh, nonverbal with uh, seizure disorder. Uh, and this is something uh, that we had identified that he was um, not meeting his milestones uh, literally from birth. We didn't get the, uh, the medical diagnosis until he was about age two. Uh, so for the last 28 years, uh, we have been uh, raising Jack and advocating uh, for you know, his care as uh, an autistic uh, now adult. Uh, I have two other children, uh, two typically developing daughters, uh, Nina, who's uh, 28, and Jen, who's 24. Um, But the dynamic as a family um, is that uh, the diagnosis of autism, uh, the raising of a a child having a sibling with autism is something that – very much dominates the uh, the family dynamic. So um, there's there's no mistaking that uh, that autism is the most uh, important, most powerful dynamic in our family. Thank you so much for sharing that with me, Phil. We really appreciate your willingness to open up about this. It gives our listeners the chance to get to know you outside of the great insights you typically share with us on the economy, markets, and politics. And I think this probably resonates with a lot of our listeners because one in five people in the U.S., or about 65.6 million individuals, live with a neurological disability. Can you speak a little bit more specifically to the prevalence of autism and the impact that might have on on family-based experiences? Well, that, that's an incredible stat, Siobhan, that, that 20% of the country has a neurological disability. Um, l- let me sort of run through the, uh, the stats uh, on autism. As, as you pointed out, I, uh, you know, I'm the chief equity strategist here, and, and uh, I've been a professional investor now for more than 40 years, so I'm, I'm driven by data. Uh, and so here... Here are some sort of key stats that that puts the autism uh, issue in some perspective. Um, Using 1987 uh, as a base year, based upon data coming out of the CDC in Atlanta, the Center for Disease Control, uh, the incidence of autism at that time was one out of 1,400 children. Uh, Now, the, the CDC just got us an update last week on this. Uh, and the incidence today, or as of the end of calendar 2020, is now one out of 36 children. So, so that's astounding. Over the last 33 years, the rate of incidence of autism has grown at a compound annual rate of 11.7% a year. Now, to put that into some sense of perspective, the population growth in the United States 
over the last 70 years or so has grown at 1.1% per year. And the estimate over the next 40 years or so is that the population is going to grow at six-tenths of 1%, less than 1%. So the, the rate of incidence of autism is growing at a rate that is 10 times the overall rate of growth of the U.S. population. So you sit there and you say, well, how is that possible? And, and the answer is that, that the medical community, families, are doing a better job in terms of awareness and screening and detection. Um, we didn't really know what we didn't know, you know, back in the 1980s and before then. So as a result, because we're doing a better job, we're, you know, we're, we're catching it. Uh, ironically, and this is sort of something that I'm not sure the medical community has quite figured out, but the rate of incidence of autism is four times more prevalent in boys than girls uh, by a four-to-one ratio, boys versus girls. Again, just a statistical quirk. Um, so if you look at sort of the overall population, 2.3% of the U.S. population in 2018 uh, was autism spectrum disorder. Today, in 2020, a couple years later, that number is now 2.8%. So the numbers, you know, have have increased. So that means there are a lot of families out there that are experiencing a, an array of circumstances stemming from, you know, their need to care for, you know, a child, a sibling um, uh, affected by autism. That is an outstanding statistic, Phil. One in 36. Wow. So digging a little bit deeper into our conversation, I want to speak about finances. A lot of families need to consider finances differently when they have a loved one or especially a child who has autism. Can you give a little bit of insight on that? Yeah. The, the financial impact, you know, on parents um, in terms of raising a child with autism is, is significant. And I'm not even going to talk about, you know, the cost of educating a typical child for college. So we're going to talk about sort of the 1 through 17 period or birth through 17. So the estimated cost to raise a typical child from birth to 17 is thought to be about a quarter of a million dollars. Um, the estimated cost to raise a child with autism from birth to 17 is thought to be about, you know, 10 times that, something in the neighborhood of about $2 million. So, so the, the, the cost is extraordinary. And, and we're not just talking about the, the medical issues. Uh, there's a tremendous need, uh, to have some, you know, an extra set of eyes, an extra set of hands at home in order to manage, you know, the day-to-day -day behaviors of, of, of your child with autism. Uh, in, in my own case, uh, you know, my wife, uh, was working as an investment banker, uh, in the syndicate department at Donaldson Lufkin Jenrette when we met. Uh, you know, post Jack and recognizing his, you know, issues, she gave up her career, retired from the workforce in order to, you know, make caring for Jack sort of a full-time job. So when you look at that dynamic, with a parent staying home and, and largely 
God bless them. It's it's the mothers that are making that tremendous sacrifice. Uh, you look at the mothers of children with autism spectrum disorder, and uh, they are less likely to work at home. Uh, they're working few hours per week. Maybe they've got part-time jobs or doing some stuff from home. Uh, they earn uh, half less uh, than mothers of children with no health limitations. Uh, they own a third, earn a third less uh, than mothers of children with other types of disabilities or disorders. So uh, there is, you know, clearly a financial impact um, in the, those formative years, birth through 17, on the family. Uh, you know, and disproportionately, uh, those, um, uh, those issues are, uh, impacting the mothers of families. You know, it's the fathers that they send out, you know, keep your health insurance, you know, bring in the money we need in order to raise the family. And, um, you know, I'll stay home and watch the kids. And, and it's a tremendous sacrifice, I think, for the mother, the mom, and, and, and the dads and the families as a whole. Um, you know, which basically points to the fact that special need families um, need uh, desperately some professional financial advice uh, in order to be able to, uh, you know, navigate the, the, the life that has been thrust upon them. Uh, so they're, you know, the, the financial situations are significant and, um, you know, people are, are, are grappling and navigating as best they can. So, Phil, you mentioned that these parents are expected to pay 10 times the amount to raise a child compared to children without neurodivergent issues. So clearly, advisors need to be prepared to create a financial plan for a family with these factors in mind. Do you have any suggestions for financial advisors listening in that could help them prepare to help these families? Yeah, and and, and that's uh, I guess one of the positives that we can take out of this call uh, in terms of the fact that, um, you know, we've, we've been dealt a, you know, a bad hand here, um, you know, but there are ways to turn, uh, you know, uh, a lemon into lemonade, to, to, to use the expression. And, and because we all work in the financial services industry, um, I'm going to use this as as my example. Um, I talked about the fact that these families, you know, desperately need financial services help, and we are a financial service profession. And the reality is that there's not one thing that they need. There's a ton of things that they need. And And I think there is an opportunity here, understanding the demographics, to build an, an empathetic referral network of financial and medical professionals to um, to assist these families. Now, the demographics are powerful. You know, I, I laid that out, I think, very clearly in the first very first part of our discussion here today, Siobhan, that the autism population is growing, you know, over the last 30, 40 years at like 11, 12 percent a year. U.S. population growth is growing a little over 1% and is expecting to downshift to about a half a percent over the next 30 or 40 years. 
So you've got this autism population growing at a pace that's, you know, in round numbers, 10 times the overall population. So if you're looking for a demographic introduction to want to create uh, servicing the autism population as a, a, as a business, the demographics are compelling. But just a word of caution, it, it requires a special mindset in, in terms of understanding the challenges and being extraordinarily empathetic to be able to work with this population. It's extraordinarily frustrating, as, as you know, you can appreciate. So the network might sort of look like this. And, and I'll start with legal. That all of us, even though Jack, for example, is my child, my wife and, and my child, we're still required to uh, go through a process in which we are creating a legal guardianship uh, of our son, of our child by age 18 and, and establish that guardianship. We have to, we have to make legal decisions for him. And even though he's our kid, because he's unable to speak, unable to reason, unable to write, et cetera, the, the, the government, the state requires this legal guardianship process. And, and, uh, from a financial standpoint, you also probably want to use this as an opportunity to establish a special needs trust. So I'm not a lawyer. So if I was creating this professional network, first thing I'd do is I'd make sure that I had an attorney in, in my network that, uh, for referrals, uh, on uh, these kinds of advocacy issues. Uh, second is financial planning, which is kind of in our wheelhouse. So you might be a CFA, as I am. Uh, you might be a CFT. Uh, if you're an accountant, you might be a CF, uh, CPA. Uh, all of these designations are important in terms of uh, creating an estate plan, uh, providing accounting service, accounting advice, investment advice. Now, we can do some of that. You know, in my case, you know, uh, I, I can certainly provide investment advice, but I'm not a CPA. I'm not an accountant. So, uh, you know, the estate planning, the accounting advice, typically those things are done by lawyers or accountants. So uh, the first thing I mentioned, have a, have a good lawyer in your group. Second thing is have a good accountant in your group to sort of complement your own uh, expertise and capabilities in terms of providing financial advice. Uh, third, I'd, I'd look at the medical side of the equation, that um, one of the most important things for these families uh, is being able to get the diagnosis. Um, you know, does my child have autism or not? And, and, and if so, how bad is it? And what are some of the things that I should be looking to do? Well, you need, you know, sort of the, that designation from a medical expert, typically a pediatric neurologist, who specializes in this in in, in this grouping of, of, of people? Uh, so again, within your group, uh, you, you want to have at a minimum, you know, a a, uh, uh, a well-respected, seasoned, experienced pediatric neurologist that has expertise with the with the autism population. Uh, and that's you know, the list isn't on there. I mean, how about things simple as 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 dentists that, that work with special needs kids. You can't imagine how difficult it is 
to get a kid with autism to sit in a dental chair for a checkup or, or, you know, God forbid they, they, you know, they have a cavity or need a filling or they need braces or whatever. Uh, you know, these, these kids are, are irritable on a good day, uh, let alone, uh, you know, having needles put into their mouth and, and, you know, having dental work done. So, uh, very helpful to have a dentist that understands uh, you know, the needs of a, uh, of an autistic kid and probably has one or two assistants to, uh, to help with the process. Uh, you've got psychologists that can work with, you know, higher functioning children with autism, maybe the siblings, the typically developing siblings, maybe the parents. Uh, uh you know, this is, uh, uh, an area that is, has, you know, significant requirements. And then, you know, counselors and, you know, developmental uh, practitioners, uh, you know, there's so, you know, basically I think what you can tell, Siobhan, is that there's a tremendous spectrum of medical needs here. And uh, you want to have within your uh, professional network the ability to refer to professionals in each of these expertises uh, to help the family. Then there's the whole insurance issue, which we haven't talked about, uh, just the normal stuff, having, you know, life insurance for the parents. You know, God forbid in the midst of this, you know, my wife or I might have tragically passed away. Well, who's going to take care of our kid? Uh, where are the resources going to come from to take care of our kid? Well, so insurance becomes uh, incredibly important. Having health insurance, making sure that you've got appropriate health insurance uh, you know, with uh, special needs and, and, and particularly autism as being an area that's, that's covered. And then there's the whole, you know, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, uh, supplemental health insurance. So having some insurance professionals uh, that, that sort of understand all of the dynamics associated with having, you know, a special needs family is, I think, important. And then I, I guess the final point I'd make is, is philanthropy. Uh, that, um, in, in, I'll use this in my own case, uh, my wife and I, uh, you know, were, have been involved in, in, uh, uh, supporting, creating autism, philanthropies, family foundations, that kind of thing. So as a practitioner, uh, as you're working through this network, um, I think there is an opportunity here to sort of, you know, drum up business to, for lack of a better word. Um, there are local autism charities uh, that have sprung up in your community to deal with some of the issues that I've talked about. So you want to, if you've decided that, that autism is a, a business plan for me, that, that I want to I wanna be introduced to these families so I can try to help them with all of these needs, um, then I want to introduce myself to these autism charities. Now, once a year, a couple times a year, they're probably going to have some benefits, um, you know, cocktail parties or dinners or whatever. Uh, so you want to ingratiate yourself with them. You want to, you know, take a table at the dinner. You want to, you want to take a journal ad in the, uh, in the benefit journal. Uh, maybe it talks about the fact that I'm an investment professional. Um, uh, autism is an important part of my practice. I've got a very rich, diversified referral network, and I'd be happy to consult with you to see if I could help you with some of your needs. 
you can also introduce yourself to some of the local autism charities uh, and agree to speak at their board of director meetings or uh, to a broader uh, group meeting, you know, uh, you know, a Monday night uh, coffee meeting uh, where uh, all of the different families in the group come and, and uh, you sort of do a, a coffee and learn where you talk about, you know, what are all the challenges that <clears throat> they're going to deal with and, and what are some of the things that your referral network can, can help them with. So, uh, you know, I could probably, you know, go on and on about this, but you, you can sense that there's a, a tremendous opportunity here given uh, a significant need. If you've got the right mindset and you've got the right, a degree of empathy working with this specialized population to put together, uh, I, I think, a, a critically important uh, referral network of professionals, medical and financial, that, that could really help, you know, these families in this cause. So there, there's a huge business opportunity here. So we can, we can, in my opinion, you've got the ability to do good as, do as, as well as doing well. Uh, it's not for everyone, uh, but but for those that have the you know the right mindset and and the right stomach for this, it, it could be an extraordinarily rewarding endeavor. So, Phil, you mentioned a lot of things, but you also mentioned philanthropy. I want to hear a little bit more about that. Can you spend some time telling us about the work you and your wife have done to help the autism community? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm actually very proud of this, and. Um, you know, I mentioned that my wife, uh, my wife and I met at Donaldson, Lufkin, and Genrat back in the uh, mid 1980s, uh, and were married in uh, in '89. Uh, and so we're both, uh, you know, born and bred New York area people, uh, educated, working as investment professionals, and so you know, we are your typical obnoxious A plus New Yorkers. Um, you know, sort of hit out of the blue that our first child is autism. You know, what do you do? Do you curl up in a, in a fetal position and, and, uh, and, and, you know, call it, call it, uh, the end? Or do you, um, you know, do you get aggressive and, and try to take some, some, uh, some positive action? And so we, you know, we, we did the latter that, um, uh, I guess it, Upon my son's diagnosis at age two, uh, we joined forces with uh, a dozen other families in our community. We live in Westchester County uh, in the New York area. Uh, we joined up with a dozen other families and um, uh, created a foundation, uh, raised some money. Uh, probably was probably a couple of million dollars or so at the outset and, and quite literally built a school uh, for children with autism that 30 years ago, as I'm sure you could probably well imagine, there was literally nothing. It was, uh, uh, you know, we were pioneers. We were out in the wild west and there was, there was literally nothing. So we engaged with a group called the, the Devro Foundation out of Philadelphia, uh, which, um, uh, was a group that had some expertise in this area and, uh, the partnership between uh, the Devereux Foundation and our, uh, our advocacy group, uh, which was called, uh, the, the acronym FECA, F-E-C-A, the Foundation, uh, for Empowering Citizens with Autism. We built a school for autistic children. 
and uh, we uh, we ended up filling that school with about 48 children uh, with with day-to-day uh, activities, attempting to uh, educate them using an ABA methodology, applied behavior analysis, uh, and then as these kids got older, um, we got into uh, uh, more vocational training to uh, to begin to think about. Uh, how we were going to uh, help to prepare these kids for adult life. As we got further along in our mission, uh, the FICA the is still alive today. I've got some board meetings tonight, as a matter of fact. Uh, we created a second foundation, uh, EVNY, Extraordinary Ventures New York, uh, in which we recognized that our kids were getting older. They had aged out of the uh, sort of the, the education system, if you will, and we're becoming adults. So we needed to think about things like group homes and, and jobs. Uh, and so EVNY created a series of micro businesses, uh, that, uh, allowed these kids with a job coach to go in and, and, and learn how to do tasks that would be, um, replicable and, uh, remunerated, uh, out in the real world. Um, now, the pandemic over the last three years has clearly uh, negatively impacted uh, our ability to uh, uh, to work with the job training or whatever, but we've continued to support uh, a number of group homes in our community uh, and are doing what we can uh, to work closely with the agencies and, and their staff uh, through the uh, the crisis of the of the COVID pandemic over you know, over the course of the last couple of years. So it's been extraordinarily rewarding. And, um, and these kids desperately need our help. And, and, uh, and one of the things that, uh, that I feel really good about is that younger families that are, you know, just, uh, getting their diagnosis today, you know, here we are 30 years later, that there's now a body of, of information and evidence that they can use to sort of chart a path uh, to how they're going to navigate these problems today in terms of education and, and, and group homes and ABA training and school districts now, uh, you know, pretty much all have programs. So we're a lot further along today than we were 30 years ago. And, and I think to a significant degree, uh, the work of our group and others like us, we're, we're not the only advocacy group that you know, that was parent-driven that popped up over the last 30 years, but I think we're certainly a significant one that has helped uh, create a body of knowledge and awareness that, that you know, has helped families across the country. And, and I'm, I feel really good about uh, the fact that we've been able to, you know, offer a, a helping hand to, to other groups. Wow, Phil, that is extremely impressive. That is amazing. Thank you for all that you do for the autism community and what you will continue to do, because I'm sure this is a legacy that will live on for many, many years. That's the hope. Yes, and, absolutely. Uh, you know, as, 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 proud I am, as proud as I am of what I've been able to achieve professionally over the 42 years I've been doing this in the investment community, uh, I am I, I think the, the contribution that my wife and I have made to, uh, to autism has probably been more significant. And uh, uh, we're delighted that, you know, we could make that contribution. And, uh, you know, we've, we've been 
uh, we've been blessed that we've been able to, uh, to, to lend our support to the cause. And, uh, I think, I think families today are in, in, in a better position to be able to navigate the, uh, the challenges and the uncertainties that we're dealing with. So again, th- thank you very much for, for giving me the opportunity to talk about my, uh, my story, if you will. And, uh, uh, I wish everyone a, uh, a happy Autism Awareness Month. Thank you so much, Phil. And as we come to the close of our conversation, can you maybe share how this experience has shaped who you are today? It, it, it has been a humbling experience. That um, you know the the plans that you had um, at the beginning of your life, the beginning of your marriage life, certainly. You know what's the old expression? Uh, you make plans and God laughs. And uh, this is this is one of those circumstances. So um, it's been a humbling experience. Um, my life, our life, has taken a very different turn than what we had, you know, thought it would take uh, when we were first married. But in many ways, uh, it was a more meaningful. Uh, and richer turn in terms of the uh, the contribution that we've made to a population that uh, that truly needed our help. I mean, in a lot of ways, we've been blessed with the uh, the ability uh, to to give back and to help others who were perhaps not as well situated to uh, navigate the crisis in which they found themselves. And um, I think my wife and I are very happy to have been able to make that contribution. Of course. Thank you so much, Phil. And again, thank you for all that you do for autism awareness. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you again for having me on, Siobhan. Of course. And again, we have been joined by Phil Orlando of Federated Hermes for a very riveting conversation on World Autism Awareness Month for UBS Conversations podcast channel. From UBS Studios, I'm Siobhan Chapman, and thank you for joining us. The material presented in this podcast has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. It is intended to be educational in nature. It is not an advertisement, nor is it a solicitation or an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments or to participate in any particular trading strategy, nor should it be viewed as such by the listener. UBS AG or its affiliates and its employees are not affiliated with any third-party speakers mentioned. None of UBS or its representatives is suggesting that the recipient or any other person take a specific course of action or any other action at all in response to this podcast. By accessing and listening to this podcast, the listener acknowledges and agrees with the intended purpose described here and disclaims any expectation or belief that the information constitutes investment advice or a solicitation of any kind. Any financial instruments or services described in this podcast may not be eligible for sale in all jurisdictions or to certain categories or investors. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services Incorporated offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct 
differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that you understand the ways in which we conduct business and that you carefully read the agreements and disclosures that we provide to you about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review client relationship summary provided at UBS.com forward slash relationship summary or ask your UBS financial advisors for a copy.